Sometimes there are characters in the Bible that I wish I could talk to, ask questions of. One of them is Herodias. The woman who wanted the head of John the Baptist put on a platter. What was going through her mind? I would ask her, what was your childhood like? When did you realize that as a girl, you would be owned? When did you realize that you would never be free? And when did you realize that you were beautiful? And that your beauty gave you some kind of power and influence? When did you start noticing how people looked at you? Did it feel good when people looked at you and admired you? Did you like that? I bet you did. It feels good when people like you and admire you, doesn't it? I wonder what it was like for you when the king's brother, Philip, picked you to be his wife. From among all the women out there, he chose you. And how did that happen? Did they parade a lot of women into the castle? Was Philip allowed to pick from a lineup, like a selection process? Or did he just see you on the street? But you were chosen. Did you like the beautiful robes that they dressed you in? The nice food? The jewelry, bangles? necklaces, did they make you feel worthy? And then I wonder what it was like for you when Herod the king started looking at you. And you were already married, but you were married to the king's brother, and you know when you start wanting stuff, and longing for stuff, and appreciating nice things, it seems like it's never enough. And I'm sure that being married to the king's brother when the king is looking at you makes you think you could do better. Did you look back? Did you encourage him? And then when he took you as his wife, how did you feel then? Was that enough? Did you feel secure now? Did you feel like you had enough now? Or was it still somehow a little scary, a little fragile, a little unpredictable? And what happens when a woman whose whole value is in her beauty starts aging? What happens then?
And what happens when you realize that there's this prophet out there who is talking about you and who's saying that it was wrong for the king to take you as his wife when you were the wife of his brother? How does that make you feel? Was there a rage inside you that was always there that started igniting when you heard that? Did you feel like it endangered your life? Or was it just that it made you feel ashamed? What did it feel like to want to kill someone? When you heard that your husband, who was the king but was rather weak, that he was holding a big birthday party and that he wanted your teenage daughter to dance in front of all of his friends when they were drunk. How did you feel about that? And then, when they were pleased with your daughter and your husband in his slobbering state promised her up to half of his kingdom, and she runs to you and says, Mom, what should I ask for? And you tell your daughter that you want John the Baptist murdered and you want his head put on a platter like an animal, like a pig with an apple in its mouth, like a lamb led to the slaughter. You want his head on a platter and you tell your daughter to go back and Make that her wish. And you know that your husband is too weak and he cares too much about what people think of him that he will not refuse. Do you feel any relief then? Does the anger go away? Does the fear go away? Do you feel secure? What happens to us, my friends, when we care so much about what other people think of us? What happens when our reputation or what people are saying about us matters more to us than what God thinks? It's like falling down a hole that has no bottom. When you try to please people, you realize that you can never please everyone, can you? You could run around all day like a chicken with your head cut off trying to please everybody and still someone would be mad, wouldn't they? Because everybody has different opinions. We can become enslaved to this notion that what people think about us defines us. It can hold us in a kind of bondage. Oh, I don't want to upset you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I want you to think well of me. I don't want to make people angry. I want people to think that I'm successful, that I'm beautiful, that I'm smart. And where does it end?
Today we hear a story of a tormented woman. I don't think she ever found what she was looking for, no matter how much wealth she accrued, or power, or influence. Remember Jesus' words, Blessed are you, not when everybody says how great you are. Blessed are you when men revile you and say all manner of things against you falsely on my account. People's opinions of you, they don't matter at all. There's only one measuring stick. There's only one plumb line, as Amos used to say. You know, they used to hold a string with a little rock on the bottom, and that's how they would see if a wall was straight. There's only one way to measure your life, and that's in relationship with God Almighty and no one else. That interior, private relationship that you have, the most important one in this world, the reason why on the first day of the week, in the first part of the day, you come here, to reorient yourself and remember that it's this relationship that is the most important one above all others. And that, yes, you should love other people and try to serve them and help them, but what they think about you and whether they think well of you or not is ultimately not important. It is, in fact, a great distraction that can lead down a road that you don't want to go on. The road of Herodias leads to nothing but emptiness, violence, from which there was no turning back. And so we come here every week whether we feel good or not, we come here and we look at the plumb line. We remember who we are. We try to write our lives again and make sure that we do things for God and for no one else. And from this place, we get pack onto the right road. Don't be distracted, my friends, in this crazy world by how many likes you have on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Just remember the plumb line. That's where it's at. Amen.